For the month of September, we are going to keep things simple. Though, of course, when is anything in church simple? When is anything in our lives simple? Well, we're going to try. We're going to try to bring some simplicity in the midst of all of our complexities each Sunday until the end of this month. And our whole series is focused on the materially simple life that Jesus led and taught and exemplified. And each week, there's going to be homework. Oh, yes. That's right, friends. Homework. You all are going to come rushing back next week. I just know it. Each week, we're going to have a challenge that we take with us after worship, something that we can put into practice until next Sunday. So every Sunday this month, we're going to have a sermon on something simple, and there's going to be a challenge that goes with it. And the Bible spends a lot of time addressing a lot of topics, but time, money, possessions, prayer, and food are the topics that Jesus talks about the most. And when Jesus addressed these things for the people of his day, he came at all of them with an air of simplicity that is all but lost in the church today. So Paul says, or not Paul, the psalm says, so teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Would you all please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Earlier this week, I found myself walking into an oil change waiting room. An oil change waiting room, because I had to get the oil changed in my car. And when I walked into this room, it was cubed, it was very, very small, there was not a single window, there was a light that kept flickering every couple of minutes, and it was packed. Nearly every seat was taken, and as I scanned the room, I saw just about every person from Woodbridge represented. I saw every culture, every race, every age, every gender, every socioeconomic status. And when I walked in, there was only one chair on the far side of the room that had my name on it. So as I walked, I took in the room like a detective looking for clues. There was a woman standing right in the middle of the room, a mother. She had her hand on a stroller, and she was vigorously pushing it back and forth, trying desperately to keep her young child asleep in her stroller. In her other hand, she had a cell phone that had most of her attention, as she was fiddling around with her thumb. And behind her was her toddler, who was laughing maniacally as he was ripping single pages out of every magazine he could get his hands on. <laughs> Next to her, there was a businessman who was pacing back and forth, he was going so fast, muttering profanities under his breath that I cannot repeat in church, that I was worried he was going to burn holes through the bottoms of his $900 pairs of shoes. In the corner, there was a young teenage girl who, I kid you not, had a cell phone in both of her hands. Two cell phones, going to town with her thumbs and fingers, no doubt saying to everyone on social media, Ugh, I hate waiting for my car to be fixed. <laughs> and then there was me, the pastor incognito. And when I walked in that room, I was so happy. I was so happy. I was happy because my technician said, it's going to take an hour and a half to change your oil. But friends, I was on cloud nine. 
because that was an hour and a half of uninterrupted time for me to write this sermon I'm preaching right now without any of you interrupting me. So I sat down in my seat in the corner of the room, I pulled out my laptop, and I wrote down one sentence. One sentence. When an older gentleman walked into the room with his walker. And he looked around the room, and he saw that there was not a seat available for him. And his whole body just sort of frowned. Now we're in church, and I'm a pastor, I'm wearing the robe, so i got to be honest. Friends, I did something I'm not proud of. I sunk as deep into my chair as possible. <laughs> kept the screen in front of my face. Because I had a sermon to write! An hour and a half! I knew! I knew! I said, Taylor, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact. Because I knew, I knew, that if I looked at him in his eyes, I was going to have to put the computer away. I was going to say, you can take my chair. And heaven forbid, he was probably going to try to talk to me. So I was focused. I was not going to look at him. I was not going to look at him. And then I looked at him. So I begrudgingly packed up my computer. I stuck it in my bag. I motioned for him to come over, and his whole body came to life, and he just beamed as he floated across the room to take my seat. Amen. Yeah. If I were to ask you to describe your life, maybe not here in church in front of a whole lot of people, but let's say we're having lunch, and I said, tell me about your life. Does your mind first go to how simple your life is? Or does it go first to how complicated your life is? Do you find your life to be simple? Or is it complicated? Time is something that all of us think about and mull over more than just about anything else under the sun. And I could go on and on with stories of people feeling overwhelmed by the concerns and the constraints of time. We're fascinated by time. We read stories of fictitious accounts of time travel because they dive deep into our hearts regarding time. We listen to songs about how time keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. <laughs> it's even in our hymnal. Time is now fleeting, the moments are passing. We all experience time differently. Some of us are chasing around our kids every day and we feel differently about time than the empty nesters do next door. Feel very different about time than the teenagers who are just hoping to get their car back. And time is a very harsh mistress. And even though we all experience time differently, our general attitude toward time is largely the same. We don't have enough of it. You know, last week I stood here before our worship services and I made a joke about how I had just gotten back from vacation. That I was at the beach with my family and that I was exhausted because I spent every day on vacation chasing my son from the dunes to the water, to the dunes to the water, to the dunes to the water. I told you to pray for me because I was exhausted and I haven't been able to stop thinking about that off-the-cuff comment in worship because I went on vacation and I came back to all of this, to all of you, only to complain about my vacation. The fact that we live in a world where people like me think we need a vacation from our vacation should be enough to give us pause about time. 
We wrestle with it day to day. We complain about not having enough of it. We lament all the things we have been unable to complete because we don't have enough time. We stress about future endeavors, and time just keeps on ticking. And so I stood to the side as the man with the walker took my seat. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to grab a book. I'm going to open the book, I'm going to start reading, and at least get some work done. But before I even had a chance to open it up, the man said, don't you just love getting your oil changed? And I thought for a moment, please let him be talking to someone else. Please let him be talking to someone else. And as I waited for anyone to respond to his question, I realized he was looking at me. And before I responded, I thought, who in their right mind likes getting their oil changed? But I didn't say that. I just sort of nodded in his general direction. And he said, when else do you get such a great opportunity to make a stranger into a friend? And then he did. For 90 minutes. For 90 minutes that honestly only felt like 15 minutes, we laid, laid the foundation of a friendship. I learned all about his life and his wife. I learned about his favorite television programs. And I even discovered that he has a pretty consistent record of ruining meatloaf. And the more we talked, the more I found myself relaxing. The more I forgot why I was standing around in a room full of strangers. And when the service writer said, Mertens? Anybody called Mertens? I honestly thought about ignoring it just so I could spend a little more time with him. But of course, eventually I had to go get the keys, I had to get the car, I had to come back here to work. And so I offered in my hand to, to shake it and say goodbye. And he said, thank you for sharing your time with me. Thank you for sharing your time with me. Our time has been changed in Jesus, because Jesus is God's time for us. While most of us stumble around in a world in which we feel like we never have enough time, God says, I've got time for you. Because that, in its deepest and simplest way, is what the incarnation is. It's what we celebrate at Christmas. God made God's self available to us in the person of Jesus, so that we might truly know what the gift of time really is. Because we are here, on the other side of Easter, the other side of the resurrection, and everything has been made new. God is free for us. God is with us. God is among us. God has become like us. And that good news is all the stranger when you think about the words that Pam read for us this morning. Because according to the psalm, God is anything but us. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday to us. You sweep everything away like dust, but we fly away, and you are forever. The psalmist creates for us a vision of the divine as this unmovable and unshakable presence in eternity in which we are like the sands of time floating away, almost without notice. So if you just read the psalm and take it at face value, it makes the passage of time even worse. But in light of Easter, in light of Christ, in the glorious good news of God's incarnation, we discover something new. 
that in fact God has become like us, and that God has given us God's time. To have time for someone else might not seem like much. Most of us here encounter a great number of people every day or every week. We exchange news and we maintain conversations without having to give it much thought. But in reality, having time for someone else is to make manifest all the blessings one person can show another. Because when we give anyone our time, we give them the last and the most personal thing we have to give. Ourselves. Time with its finite and fleeting nature, is the one thing that all of us have, though none of us know how much of it we have. And that's what makes it so confounding. We imagine it to be so much of a precious commodity that we worry ourselves into oblivion about wasting any of it. But time, godly time, biblical time, it's far more simple than that. The psalm ends with this. So teach us, O Lord, to count our days so that we may gain a wise heart. When we spend as much time as we do worrying about time, we neglect to do the good and important work of being appreciative for the time we've been given. Or, to put it in simple terms, we spend so much time worrying about time that we are not grateful for time. And as I said at the beginning, each week this month we're going to have homework. And here is your assignment. This week, each of us will be challenged to reimagine our calendars. And you don't have to write this down. Our ushers are going to have this printed out for you on your way out this morning. Each of us are going to be challenged to reimagine our calendars. We are asking every night, perhaps after you have dinner or right before you go to bed, to take just a moment to write down on a piece of paper or in a journal one thing that happened to you that day for which you are grateful. To take the time to write down one thing that happened to you that day for which you were grateful. And I know that that sounds really simple, and that's the point. With the myriad of ways we are fast-forwarding through the frantic and frenetic pace of life, far too many of us are not taking the time to be mindful of our time. And so you can keep it there. Keep it that simple. Just take the time to write down one thing that happened to you that day for which you were grateful. It's time set apart to be reflective of your time. Or you can take it a step further. This gets you extra credit. You can write down about how much time you spent that day on things that give you life and how much time that day you spent on things that don't. And still yet you can take it one more step. And you can write down ways in which you will try to spend more time the following day on things that give you life on ways to connect with God, and ways to connect with other people. I don't really care what you write down, but that you at least write down one thing that happened to you that day for which you are grateful. Because when we take the time to be grateful for our time, that's when the time around us starts to change. Because instead of resenting our lack of time, we begin to appreciate what time we do have. Instead of belittling others for taking up our time, we begin to see them as timely people who have given their time to us. And instead of continuing to meander and miss the beauty of the time we've been given, we begin to see that God is the one who gave it to us. I had a professor in seminary who was deeply disturbed with how the church changed in his lifetime. 
He said he can remember the church being a joyful thing, but as he got older and older, it just started to feel more dull and glum. He said there was no passion in it anymore. He said the church has become a place for us to bring our worries about what happens to us when we die. And he said, I'm a Christian. I know what's going to happen to me when I die. Why are we so worried about it all the time? I'm not worried about what he said. I could get in my car after this class and get in an accident and die, and I would not worry for a minute because I believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. You know what I'm far more concerned with? Is what happens if I wake up tomorrow morning? What am I doing with my life? I don't care. I am not worried about what happens to me when I die. I am far more worried about what I'm going to do if God gives me another day. Time. Time has been given to us. We know not when the bell will fall. I promise you it will. We should not be worried about what happens to us when we die, friends. But we should all be worried about what happens if we wake up tomorrow. Because what are we doing with our time? I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. Would you please join me on page 12 in your hymnal?